Well, good morning. Again, I've tried to greet as many as you as I could when I was coming in. I know, I'm, already, I'm here two minutes and we're already trashing the church. I knew I grabbed the wrong stands when I got going. Look at that, thank you. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thank you. Uh, speaking of which, this morning we're talking about patience. Uh, patience in particular as we think about the hope of Christ's return, and that's a really, really big concept. Patience in the hope of Christ's return. And now when I think of patience, first of all, I have to acknowledge to you, and I'll, this is my, my turn for confession, I'm not a terribly patient person. I've already noticed that the stoplights here are about 12 seconds longer than they are in Austin. 12 seconds of my time. But I'm also impatient in wanting to get to know everyone here so quickly. I've been, uh, been out here on staff now officially for two weeks, and I'm just dying to know all of your names. It's just driving me crazy. And so uh, I appreciate your patience. I'm trying to be patient myself of just getting to know everyone in time. I'm also impatient, though, to grow in my friendship with you. I desire so much to be able to walk with you in your stories, to see the Lord move in your life, to pray with you, to wrestle with you, to walk with you. But I know it's going to take time for us to grow in our friendship, and I need to be patient in that. I'm also impatient to learn how and why, especially, God called me here to this great church. You know, I've been serving for 10 years in the Austin area at a covenant church there, and it was clearly his call that we're here. And now the next step is for us to determine over the season ahead, the years to come, why God called me here with my particular gifting to join this wonderful ministry that's been faithfully serving the Lord for so long in this area. And we're going to find that out, but I'm impatient for that. I want to know right now. I want to know right now. I don't know if we have uh, slides up for the message yet or... It's okay if we don't. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. That's okay. I won't be impatient about that. So let's look again at this word from James because it's really critical as we've been walking through the book of James. I was here for the last couple of Sundays, but I love that he gets to this place where he's like, therefore, friends, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Therefore, that means that word therefore, that means that everything that he's been teaching ahead of time builds up, kind of sums up in this space here. Therefore, after everything that we've been talking about, be patient, therefore, as we wait for the Lord. And I think of the last couple of weeks when we looked at uh, Pastor Lars led us to the topic of anger and idolatry and overcoming our overconfidence about tomorrow that I control my days. No, the Lord controls our days. He's saying after all of that teaching and encouragement, therefore, be patient and waiting for the Lord. He goes on to say in this passage that, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. So you also must be patient. Establish your hearts, he says, for the coming of the Lord is near. The coming of the Lord is near. This is an incredible kind of heads up, isn't it? That the coming of the Lord is so near that he was saying, therefore, you must be patient, wait. And as we look at this, I'm figuring out that patience is actually a lost virtue. I don't think we're very patient anymore. I know I'm not. We've kind of lost this sense of patience. 
I was thinking about it the other day. I was picking up our Aunt Pat from the uh, uh, airport, and you know the, the the lots that you wait in when you're trying to pick someone up. It, it, they don't even expect you to wait anymore. They call it a cell phone lot because they know you're just going to sit there and play with your phone until that person gets off the phone and picks you up. We're not. We don't wait much anymore. Waiting, in a sense, patience today, it's like a superpower, and not many people have it. We're, we avoid it at any cost, and, and maybe when we think of patience, even here in this word, as he says, be patient, we can think of something that's more passive, like, like um, inactive, or maybe even being bored. When we think of patience, we think of waiting kind of endlessly, and maybe even a sense of idleness and boredom, and we avoid that at any cost. Go to any waiting room. We've been in the doctor three times this week with the various degrees of kids getting caught up on their shots and getting ready for school and physicals. And the waiting room, you don't like to wait. We've kind of lost that sense of patience and waiting. We tend to think it's something imp- that's something passive, something to be avoided. But biblically speaking, biblically speaking, patience is not inactive. Biblically speaking, patience is not a state of inactivity. Instead, it's anticipation, it's focused. Just flip a couple of pages back and you're in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. Where the author reminds us that we desire that each one of you would show the same earnestness, the same excitement to have the full assurance of hope until the very end, so that you may not be sluggish or lazy, but instead imitate those who by their faith and patience inherit the promises. This idea of patience in the scripture is not intended to be a passive state where we kind of just sit back, wait, and don't think about it. Instead, it's an active state. That's why he's saying, I want for you to have that same excitement until the very end so that you're not sluggish and lazy, but instead by patience and faith, you endure until the finish. This is why in James, he compares the state of patience to the work of the farmer, he says. If you go back to James and he says that, like, you be patient, patient for the end of the Lord. See how the farmer waits. Here's his example. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient for it until he receives the early and the late rains. Well, I got to be honest, I've never spent much time on a farm. Uh, I've been so thankful this week, especially as a number of people have been bringing fresh produce to our house. It's been so great. Cucumbers are like my favorite. That's just, they're so good. I love a fresh, snappy cucumber. We've had delicious corn, so many great things being brought over. What an abundance. It's great. But you know that when, the, when the, the farmer puts those seeds in and he waits, he's not waiting inactively. He's preparing the soil. He's tilling. He's weeding. He's anticipating. He's trying to prepare for that time when the rains do come. And he's searching the almanacs, looking up at the sky, waiting with anticipation and excitement and even earnestness for those rains to come. This is the example that James gives us. Like a farmer, be patient. Farmers are patient. They'll wait for the rain to come, but it's a state of active participation. We're waiting eagerly and joyfully for the coming of the Lord. Isn't that powerful? We tend to think, again, 
that patience is something passive, and it's not. Biblically speaking, patience is an active position. We're excited. He goes on to say that while you're waiting then, establish your hearts. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Interesting that that word that they use, establish your heart, it actually has another understanding to it. It's like being rooted. Root your hearts in love is what he's saying. And then I was especially fascinated as Pastor Lars was saying this morning, we're going to introduce the idea that I will be helping to shepherd the rooted groups. And he has that command already there in the scriptures. Root your hearts. Like dig them in in love as you wait patiently for the Lord. And I can think of no better way for us to establish our hearts than for more of us in this community to gather together around God's word and shaping our relationships based on the truth of God's word. So I'm especially excited about continuing that great ministry here of these rooted groups. And there it is. It says there, root your hearts, establish your hearts, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. For the coming of the Lord is near. It's always fascinating when you read the word and it talks about that, that the coming of the Lord is near. Because again, I think we've become a people of not great patience and anticipation for that wonderful return. Be patient, he says, until the coming of the Lord. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do we still believe that? Here's words that were written more than 2,000 years ago saying, be patient, the coming of the Lord is near. It's so close, and yet here we are 2,000 years later. Is it still near today? Do we have that sense of anticipation of the Lord's return? You see, patience, active patience in the story of God serves faithfully here while keeping one eye up for the great hope of the Lord's return, which is always near. We live and we keep our eyes up in the great anticipation of the Lord's return and restoration of all things. Meanwhile, we have patience. One of the things that I especially love about living in this area are the plains. I've never lived so close to such a busy airport. And they're flying over all the time. And I'm not used to it yet. Maybe you are. And when they go over, I have to stop and look at them. And depending on what the, the ceiling is, apparently they fly a little lower when they come out, or sometimes they go a little higher. But I love that constant reminder that God has me to keep looking up at these planes, because I think that's the way that we should be praying and living our faith out as well. We're here, we're serving, we're living, but always with one eye up in anticipation for that great hope that one day Christ will return. Meanwhile, we have patience. If you go to the very end of the book, the very end of your Bible, the last words given to us recognize the nearness of the kingdom of God as it's written. Surely, he says, I am coming soon. Amen, it says, Lord, come. And so we, as people of faith, don't have an imp a passive waiting. 
we're actively serving and waiting and anticipating for the fulfillment of that great time when the Lord returns and makes all things right. Do you remember the familiar acclamation that's usually part of the liturgies, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And this is the fulfillment of the good news of the Christian story. So do we have patience for that? As Jesus talked about, you know, the kingdom of heaven, he said, it's at hand. It's so close that you can touch it at times. He even said in Matthew 5, blessed are you who are poor in your spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's there. It's always near and in proximity. So when you listen to these words in scripture that talks about you know, be patient because the Lord is going to return. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. But then we know they were written so long ago. Have we lost our sense of hope and anticipation for that time? Or is it still near? And I would say yes. It's as close today as it's ever been, even when it was written then. And they were so excited about it. They were so excited about the fulfillment of the age, that they're willing to endure persecution and even unto death because they knew for certain the Lord is coming and He's so close. And we should still live today with a joyful anticipation that the Lord is near. Come, Lord Jesus, and make this right. Fix this. Renew, restore, redeem Claim, lead, guide. I'm so excited for that. I'm impatient for that. Come, Lord Jesus. I say come. Come now. I've been so blessed this week as I've been getting to know some of you and visiting, but I have seen the Lord answer so many prayers this week. It's been really exciting. I could share more stories about that, but just how the Lord, I've prayed for something, and then the next movement, it's happening. To me, those are drips of that. It shows me that the kingdom of God is so close that God's willing to answer prayers and give healing and release and affirmation because the kingdom of heaven is so close. So this nearness, this proximity of the kingdom of God. Let me go um, down to the end here, so sorry. This nearness of the kingdom of God, that's not working very well. This proximity, this nearness of the kingdom of God should ignite our sense of passion. It should ignite our passion. That's why I'm excited. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him and to all who call on Him in truth. And we accept, we believe, we have patience and excitement for the nearness of the kingdom of God. That should light our hearts in passion. This morning as we're here and we're worshiping together those, those beautiful hymns, they just speak so fresh to my heart. I didn't really grow up with those. And so to hear them, they just speak so fresh to my heart and they delight my spirit. And I love that. I love worshiping with you here this morning and later on in the next service. Like there should be a healthy anticipation we have, a joyful anticipation. The hope of Christ is coming and that should raise our passion. Last year, as part of my ministry in Austin, I had the unfortunate time of walking with a dear friend who had contracted stage four cancer, my friend Liz, and I watched her walk through those final seasons. And what was so amazing about Liz 
is she was already a worshiper, but she pressed so close into the Lord in such great hope. It was inspiring. The, the more and more that she found that the Lord's healing was going to be in a different way than, than earthly healing, she accepted that. She heard from the Lord, stay near to me. And she pressed into him so dearly. I've never seen someone walk with so much anticipation and joy into the arms of her Savior. Because her hope was set on something much bigger here. And it was beautiful to watch. But that hope, that patient hope we have, should enraise our passions. Well, next, the nearness of the kingdom of God should ignite, empower our prayers. We just prayed in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, may your kingdom come. And may your will be done as it's being written in the heavens. May it be here. And it's that call for, Lord, may your kingdom come that ignites our prayers as we seek for healing, we seek to understand, and we seek for blessing here in this earth. But Lord, we just ask most of all that your kingdom would come to make all things right. And so we have hope, we have patience in that. It ignites our prayer life. Lord, may your kingdom come. The nearness of the kingdom of God should empower our sense of purpose. Jesus said, in Matthew 24, 14, that until the gospel goes out among all the world, that'll be the signal, that'll be the time in which the Lord will return. Well, apparently there's still work to do. And it's not up for us to anticipate, well, it's got to be in the forest off countries. What if one of the people that's in the world that needs to hear that, that story of great hope is your neighbor or your coworker or your children or your friends, or even the person next to you. Apparently, there's still work to do because the Lord has not yet returned. Not every ear has heard the story yet. And so this nearness of the kingdom of God, it encourages my sense of purpose. I know that I have to go and be a part of this kingdom work, just like the farmer, waiting for the rain to come, looking for those signals of growth and that beautiful fruit to come from the earth. Going back to James, that final passage. He says, above all, friends, don't swear, don't make fake oaths, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but instead let your yes be yes, and let your no be no, so that you don't fall under condemnation. In other words, he's saying, don't pay lip service to this. Let your yes be genuine, or let your no be your conviction. When I hear that, let my yes be yes. Have we accepted that story of great hope? Have we received that gift of grace? Are we holding on to, with great passion, a sense of hope for the restoration of all things? Is your yes a yes? Let me pray. Do we accept his forgiveness today? We say yes. Have we accepted his grace today? We say yes.
Do we intend to follow Christ with our passion? And we say yes. Do we desire to be led by the Spirit today? And we say yes. Do we, Lord, accept that you'd fill us today with a new sense of passion in our walk? And we say yes. Father, will you encourage us in our prayers? We say yes. And Lord, will you help us to live with a renewed sense of purpose until your kingdom come? And we say yes. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come.